Hey, it's five o'clock here in Salford. How are you this Wednesday? It's another particularly cold day, or it has been uh, so far. Not going to get any better for the next couple of nights. Very cold temperatures out there. I'm your BBG Richie Allen with you till seven o'clock this evening. And I think I have a half-decent show lined up for you, so I do. Reach me during the programme via my website, richieallen.co.uk. That's the way to talk to me today. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Rightio then, a little bit later on in today's programme, I'll be joined by David Weiss, or David Weiss, it's David Weiss I think. He's known as Flat Earth Dave. He comes from the east coast of the United States. He's a Connecticut Connecticut man, uh, I do believe. Um, He began looking into Flat Earth after he hosted a conspiracy comedy show in New York. He did that for about three years. And many of his fans were asking him, were urging him to look into Flat Earth, something they thought he might find to be ridiculous. He set out to disprove the Flat Earth conspiracy theory and he couldn't and he hasn't looked back. So Flat Earth Dave will join us live on the programme from Connecticut a little bit later on and that should be very interesting indeed. Of course, you will be welcome. You you are welcome to comment when Dave is on the programme with me in hour two. Before that, you and I will have a chat. Lots to talk about as is always the case. And I've been gulping down the water because I'm a bit dry today, you know. Do you ever get one of those days? A little bit dry. The old throat's a bit dry. Anyhow, fantastic surprise this afternoon. Mark Poyerski swung by BBG Towers. What a lovely surprise that was. Big beaming smiley head on him. And of course, that instantly lit up our own big smiling beaming heads. Great to see him. He's visiting his uh, son and his daughter here in the UK. And he's heading back to Spain, is Mark. And he couldn't do it without popping in to see the BBG and El Frogo who was equally delighted to see him. I'm not exactly sure if he'll have the show on this afternoon as he's driving south, but if he does, great to see you, pal. Thanks for brightening our day and indeed our whole week. Absolutely brilliant, lovely, fantastic stuff. Where am I going to start today? I think there's only one place to start, and that is with the Conservative Party Member of Parliament, Andrew Bridgen. We we learned yesterday afternoon through his own Twitter account that he was going to chair a debate in the House of Commons last evening, last night at 7pm, a debate on the harms, alleged harms being caused by mRNA COVID jabs. So this is a big deal. Whichever way you want to to cut this, it's a big deal, right? It doesn't mean we've gone all soft now on Conservative Party MPs or any MPs for that for that matter. It doesn't, but it is it is a significant thing because you have a member of Parliament taking to his feet and declaring that, in his opinion, the vaccine rollout should be stopped 
the programme should be stopped immediately because of emerging evidence in the UK that it is causing significant harm and in some case death. So that's how it works, the debate. So he called for the debate. He was given a half an hour. Now, you probably know by now, maybe you don't. This is the reason I'm talking about this now, because you may very well be listening to this. Outside the UK, in fact, quite a lot of our listeners do listen outside the UK. So I want to bring you some of what was said. So chairing the debate means you get to open it. So Andrew Bridgen MP took to his feet and we're going to have a listen back to one or two of the things he said during that debate last night, which I do believe many of our listeners were watching as it was happening live. So here it is, Andrew Bridgen then. Three months ago, one of the UK's most eminent and trusted cardiologists, a man with an international reputation, Dr Asim Malhotra, published peer-reviewed research that concluded that there should be a complete cessation in the administration of the COVID mRNA vaccines for everyone because of clear and robust data of significant harms and little ongoing benefit. He described the rollout of the biotech Pfizer vaccine as perhaps the greatest miscarriage of medical science, damage to population health, erosion of trust in public health and attack on democracy that we will witness in our lifetime. Interesting, Madam Deputy Speaker, there's not been a single rebuttal so far in the scientific literature to Dr Malhotra's findings, despite its widespread circulation and it making international news. Before I state the key evidence-based facts that make a clear case for complete suspension of these emergency use authorisation vaccines, it's important to appreciate the key psychological barrier as to why these facts have not been acknowledged by policymakers and taken up by the UK mainstream media. That psychological phenomenon is willful blindness. This is when human beings, including in this case institutions, turn a blind eye to the truth in order to feel safe, reduce anxiety, avoid conflict and protect their prestige and reputations. There are numerous examples of this occurring in recent history, such as at the BBC with Jimmy Savile, the Department of Health and Midstaffs, Hollywood and Harvey Weinstein, and specifically in, medical, in the medical establishment, the OxyContin scandal, which was portrayed in the miniseries Dope Stick. What's crucial to understand is that the longer willful blindness to the truth continues, the more unnecessary harm it creates. This is pretty strong stuff. So he started off by saying that what he, he, he's basically coming here today to provide the evidence that the jabs should be withdrawn. They, they should have their approval withdrawn and the programme should be stopped. This is Andrew Bridgen MP speaking in Westminster last night. Let's hear some more of that. So here are the cold, hard facts on the mRNA vaccines and an explanation of the structural drivers that continue to be barriers to doctors and the public receiving independent information to make informed decisions about these vaccines. Since the rollout in the UK of the biotech Pfizer mRNA vaccine, we've had almost half a million yellow card reports of adverse effects from the public. Madam Deputy Speaker, this is unprecedented and is more than all the yellow card combined reports of the last 40 years. Such an extraordinary rate of side effects 
which are beyond mild, have been reported in many countries across the world that have used the Pfizer vaccine, including, of course, the United States. Of course, I'll give away to the Honourable Gentleman. I thank him for giving away. Um... He's giving away to a DUP, Democratic Unionist Party, MP. This is how it goes in debates. As you are delivering your, your, your speech, making your points, MPs can basically not shout so much, but they can interject from from the sidelines and ask you to give way so they can pick you up on an individual point. So this is a DUP MP. Uh, I spoke to Alan Dutton beforehand. He knows my feelings about the vaccines. I, I'm a supporter of the vaccines. Uh, many of my family are as well. But I understand uh, where the Alan Dutton come from. I've had some constituents who have come to me. And does Alan Dutton agree we need to ensure in this House we acknowledge risks and don't simply relegate them to fine print? absolutely right that those who feel they've been damaged by the, the vaccine should, of course, have the full support of their elected members of Parliament and, of course, the full support of the NHS. It's interesting that uh, only a couple of weeks ago I was interviewed by a journalist from a major uh, news outlet who said that he was being bombarded by calls from people who said that they were vaccine harmed but unable to get the support they wanted from the NHS. Um, and he also said that he thought this would be the biggest scandal in the medical history in this country. And disturbingly, he also said that if he were to mention that in the newsroom in which he worked, he would fear that he would lose his job. And it is this conspiracy of silence that we need to break. Now, I'm going to say, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, the, the well-being of people in this country is surely far more important than the job than the employment prospects of a journalist. Bridgen has said that a very senior journalist working for a major news organisation has told him that there, he can't say anything because if he did, he'd expect to be fired. The journalist said that people are coming to him in great numbers to say they've been harmed by one of these jabs. Now, I, I've never been one for, for calling out people like that. I've never done that. But I'm doing it now. That journalist has a duty what else is journalism about, really? And if the guy or the, the, the woman, if it's a man or a woman, whichever it is, if he or she has any sort of public profile at all, well, it won't matter if you get fired. Come out, speak, man or woman. If you believe that this is one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the UK, speak about it. Don't allow yourself to be an enabler of a conspiracy of silence because you fear losing your job. Speak out about it. A little bit more from Bridgen here. Madam Deputy Speaker, it's instructive to note that traditionally, according to pharmacovigilance analysis, uh, when it comes to serious adverse effects, what is actually reported by the public is thought to be only represent 10% of the true rate of serious adverse events occurring within the population. That's very important. We never lose sight of that. And that's pretty much established fact, right? Only 10% of those impacted by a jab, whichever jab it is, the flu jab or a jab for malaria, whatever, only 10% will actually take the time to open up the reporting system, whether it's VAERS in the United States, whether it's the yellow card here. So one in 10 will say, OK, I'm going to make a complaint or a report. That's a significant thing. We should never lose sight of that. If there are nearly half a million 
reports of adverse events in the UK. It might be, it isn't an exact science, but it's fair to say it might be closer to 5 million reports or complaints. Now, they won't all be very, very serious injuries. They won't all be death, of course. Some of these will be will be minor side effects or adverse events. But others will be very serious and others will be death out of five million. Andrew Bridgen. Let's hear some more from the Conservative Party MP who, uh, rather unprecedented really this last night, uh, shocking but wholly unsurprising that there didn't appear to be 10 people there. There are 650 MPs in the UK Parliament, in Westminster. 650. My mathematics is absolutely abysmal. I had to repeat my leaving certificate in order to scrape a pass in mathematics. That's how bad my maths is. So I can't do the percentage. If there were 10 there, I should be able to do it off the top of my head, but I can't. What percentage of 650 is 10? Let me know. Here's more from Bridgen. The gold standard of understanding the benefit and harm of any drug comes from the randomised controlled trial. It's the randomised controlled trial conducted by Pfizer that led to the UK and international regulators approving the biotech Pfizer mRNA vaccine in the first place for administration. Contrary to popular belief, that original trial of approximately 40,000 participants did not show any statistically significant reduction in death as a result of vaccination. But it did show a 95% relative risk reduction in the development of infection against the ancestral, more lethal strain of the virus. However, the absolute risk reduction for an individual was only 0.84%. In other words, from their own data, Pfizer revealed uh, that you needed to vaccinate 119 people to prevent one infection. You got that? Okay, let's finish the Andrew Bridgen speech with a word on children. Another MP interjected to make the point that, having heard those Pfizer statistics, another MP interjected to say, well, what are they doing approving these vaccines for use in children? Why have they said that children as young as six months should be vaccinated with one of these mRNA jabs that doesn't do anything to prevent you getting anything or passing anything on. His answer is very interesting, Andrew Bridget. Of course, it's important that the government justify why they're rolling out a, a vaccine to any uh, cohort of people, in particular our, our, ch- our children. Um, he will recall in the Westminster Hall debate that we, we questioned the validity of, of uh, vaccinating children who have minimal risk if at all, from from the virus, but there's a clear risk from the vaccine. And I will again report on evidence from America later in my speech uh, regarding those risks to to particularly young children. Um, So, in other words, the benefits of the vaccine are close to, uh, to non-existent. Beyond the alarming yellow card reports, the strongest evidence of harm comes from the gold standard highest possible quality level data a reanalysis of the Pfizer-Moderna's own randomised controlled trials using the MNRA technology published in the peer-reviewed journal Vaccine revealed a rate of serious adverse events of 1 in 800 individuals vaccinated. 
These are events that result in hospitalisation, disability or are life-changing. What is most disturbing of all, however, is that of those original trials suggesting that one was far more likely, someone was far more likely to suffer a serious side effect from the vaccine than to be hospitalised with the ancestral, more lethal strain of the virus. These findings, Madam Deputy Speaker, are a smoking gun suggesting that the vaccine should likely never have been approved in the first place. A smoking gun suggesting the vaccines should never have been approved in the first place, Andrew Bridgen there. He went on shortly after that, I won't play all of it because we'd be here quite a while, but he went on shortly after that to point out that rollouts or vaccine programmes have been suspended when far fewer people claimed to have been injured. And he referenced swine flu jab in the 1970s in the United States and he mentioned pandemics. Okay? Now, appearing on behalf of the government because the government had to put somebody up was a woman called Maria Caulfield. I won't play any more audio from this because it's, um, it's, it's, I'm looking at time, I'm keeping an eye on time. It's 17 minutes past the hour. But she stood up then at the very end of this, when there were a few minutes left, basically said that the jabs are safe and effective, that they've been robustly scrutinised by the regulator. And she pointed out that there is the yellow card reporting system there for anyone who believes that he or she has been injured by one of these jabs. That was the gist of it from Maria Caulfield. She said, we've put measures in place, this is a quote, to monitor any possible side effects and to commission further research that will help us better understand how to diagnose and treat those who have suffered or continue to suffer any ill effects from a COVID-19 vaccine. She continued, that is the case for any medicine, even with a simple medicine such as paracetamol. People can get side effects and that is why every medicine that is prescribed and dispensed has a patient safety information sheet listing the most likely side effects and encouraging people to report any as it may not be included. And sadly for Andrew Bridgen, and these are the rules of the House of Commons, he couldn't do anything about that. That closed the debate. He wasn't able to challenge that horse manure from Maria Caulfield comparing what's happening with the COVID jabs to paracetamol side effects. The COVID jabs are killing people. I don't know exactly how many people, but lots of people. And the salient point in his argument for me, one of the more salient points, was that the, was that the fact that previous rollouts or programmes were suspended for far less. That was his point. Why? Why is this happening? Why does nobody care? And a government minister, a woman who is a nurse, I believe, Maria Caulfield, she's the Parliamentary Undersecretary for State. Let me say that again. She's the Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Health and Social Care. A trained nurse stood up and said, well, paracetamol, people can get side effects. But I don't remember ever reading about anybody dropping dead on a football pitch after taking a paracetamol. Could be me. I don't remember a young woman ice skating for her university dropping down stone dead after taking a paracetamol. Now the transcript of that debate in full is on my website richieallen.co.uk. Was there any take-up today in the mainstream media of what happened last night? Did anybody pick it up and run with it? Nobody ran with it. Not talk radio, not GB News, not the Daily Mail not the Telegraph. Those are the more conservative-leaning 
news organisations. Talk TV, whatever it is, Talk Radio, GB News, The Mail and The Telegraph. Not a sausage. Nothing. An MP, a, a, a Conservative Party MP, right, he's not in government, he's not a cabinet minister, but he is a Conservative Party MP. His party is in government. Stands up and says, I have the evidence here. All of it. I have Malhotra's evidence, I have other evidence here, I have Pfizer's own data that not only says that the jabs do not do that which they claim to do, but that they may be killing and maiming lots of people. Not a dicky bird. I'm not surprised by that. I, I know one or two listeners to this programme are because they believe that Julia Hartley Brewer or, or Mike Graham from Talk Radio, that they're on our side. No, they're not on our side. Not at all. There's a, a pretty grotesque analogy to do with a, a young man trying to get his leg over a woman, which I'm not going to use because this is a family show. But it's about a woman putting, you know the anecdote, you know, it's, you know the saying, it's a very old and very crude saying about a girl putting a little bit out, giving a whiff of skirt to the bloke, then running off, right? Then leaving him standing there, right? Looking for a cold shower, right? And that's what you get with these talk radios and GB news. They'll give you a little whiff of it. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're the home of free speech. Not a whisper today. And I know that they were tweeted, not trolled, tweeted unmercifully, because I was watching it all day long. They were tweeted thousands and thousands of times by people asking them to cover what Andrew Bridgen had said and to invite him on to explain a bit more or to invite somebody from the government on to ask them. See, this is what journalism really is, you see. It's very basic journalism. I've explained this too many times. I bore you, I bore me, I bore everybody. It's basic this, it's so basic. When I started out as a producer at WLRFM many years ago, a terrific guy called Billy McCarthy said to me, Richie, it's pretty fucking simple. And that's exactly what he said. This man who didn't swear very much, he said it's pretty fucking simple. We get somebody on who's got something to say. It's usually a government minister. It's a local politician. We challenge that by getting somebody else who totally disagrees with them. We bring them on and we let them have at it. It couldn't be any simpler. Bridgen has said the vaccines are useless and they're killing people. He didn't quite put it like that, let's be honest about it. He said that there have been more claims of injury and death, more claims for the mRNA jabs, than there have been in 40 years for the conventional jabs. Is that not newsworthy? So what should have happened today was the producers in the newsrooms at Talk Radio, at GB News, at LBC Radio should have been saying, Christ, let's, who can we get on from the government? Who is the minister? Who is the Secretary of State for Health? Who is that? Right, get her on. Get him on. Uh, he's not available. She's not available. No, well, well, let's get a minister on then. Let's get a health minister on. Very simple. Welcome, Minister. What was Andrew Bridgen doing in the House of Commons last night? Is there any truth to what he said about there being half a million reports in this country of adverse events following vaccination? What are you doing about it? He's asking for the programme to be suspended. Is he right? Are you thinking about suspending the programme? Do we know everything we need to know about these jobs? Nothing. Not a sausage today. In fact, what you got, unsurprisingly, in the UK media today, was you got what we call, well, it's not what we call, it's what you call, ad hominem attacks on Andrew Bridgen. Uh, one coming from James O'Brien from LBC. I'm not going to play 
any audio right now from O'Brien. You might hear from O'Brien in a minute on another subject. But people have obviously been tweeting O'Brien. This is a bearded Muppet who went to the London School of Economics, not a journalist. He's a, a shill, a think tank shill, uh, fired by the BBC because he was useless when he had Newsnight for a few nights. Absolute rubbish, James O'Brien, right? Um, that sounds trite, it sounds childish, it sounds a bit infantile, but he is, he's garbage. So he's being tweeted all day today by people, some of them listeners to his programme. Not people who listen to me and to other independent news radio programmes, but people who listen to him saying, Jesus, you're supposed, you, we listen to you, can you look into this? Can you look into it? Can you find out if there's any truth in the, the claims made by Andrew Bridgen? You know what James O'Brien did? He did the classic ad hominem thing. Ignored that Bridgen is making the claims against the jabs that he is making. And tweeted this. Listen to this. This Andrew Bridgen, writes O'Brien, a Conservative MP lied under oath, behaved in an abusive, arrogant and aggressive way, and was so dishonest that his claims about a multi-million pound family dispute could not be taken at face value. A high court judge has ruled. And he got that from another Twitter account. So O'Brien's response to the most serious claims. This is the most serious. There isn't a more pressing issue in the world right now. This is, this is news. This is slot number one. In a fair and just and decent world, this is opening every news bulletin. Claims that these jobs are doing unimaginable damage. What does O'Brien do when he's pressed on it? He takes a quote from a High Court judge, a High Court judge who has said that Andrew Bridgen's evidence in a dispute with his family over money couldn't be taken at face value. What the fuck does that have to do with jabs that people don't need, killing them stone dead? Well, nothing, obviously. It's got nothing to do with it. It's a classic ad hominem attack, isn't it? That's what it is. It's playing the man, not the ball. I'm sure Andrew Bridgen is no angel. He's a Conservative Party MP. I don't particularly care for Andrew Bridgen. Well, that's not fair. I do now because he's asking questions. But I know what politics is. I know what party politics is. I know how it works. No angel. Who is an angel, really? Attacking him for some evidence that he gave in a multi-million pound family dispute and ignoring the fact that he stood up in the House of Commons and presented what he believes to be empirical evidence that the jabs are useless because they do not do what they're supposed to do, but worse than that, they're killing people. The UK media is deaf, dumb and blind today. That's no surprise whatsoever. This is not, you know, this is not groundbreaking monologue, this. Christ, we, we, we'd hardly expect them to talk about it. My guess is, tragically, is that Andrew Bridgen has all but decided that he won't be standing at the next general election and he'll probably announce at some stage he's stepping down. Uh, unless uh, he's already done that, but I haven't heard that he's already done that, so I don't know. It's uh, 27 minutes past the hour. This is The Richie Allen Show, live from Salford in the great, greater Manchester. That's the one. This is Bob Marley. 
Bob Marley, Could You Be Loved, on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. David Weiss will be on the programme a bit later on. Flat Earth Dave, bet you're looking forward to that. I am. Cold, seasonal, flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RICHIEALLEN365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. You know, it's kind of maddening to be round about um, three, not even, I'm a half a mile from the front door of the BBC in Salford. I'm a half a mile. And I do run past it probably three, four mornings a week. I do a couple of 5K runs and I do about three or four um, five-milers, right? Not 5K, five-milers. And I head down around Stretford. I head down around the back of Old Trafford Cricket Ground. I come back and I cross into Media City because I live on the other side of Media City. There's a canal between Old Trafford, Manchester United, the Ship Canal, of course, and the Media City. And I'm the other side of the canal and Media City. Very close to it. And I jog past there some mornings. It's a funny thing. And I'm listening to the output of BBC Radio 5 Live or I'm listening to an audio stream of the breakfast television programme. And I hear lies that are so monstrous, that are so gargantuan, that I want to get sick. I really do mean that. And I'm looking at the building as I'm running past it where it's all going on. And it's maddening. It's maddening not to be able to do anything about it. You know, I've never been a crusader for anybody's rights. I never have been, really. And I'm not now. Journalist turned into a commentator by accident, really. And I'm certainly no crusader. But you'd love to figure a way to be able to get a hold of a microphone up there. You know, and just to get five minutes to tell people what's really going on. And that when they go to a jabatoir this winter to put a COVID booster into their arms, they they really are playing Russian roulette like. That's not unfair. I do my absolute best to be to be fair. I really do. I think it out before I say it and I think, don't be sensational, don't be an arsehole. I think it's the equivalent of playing Russian roulette, but people don't know that because the BBC, as well as the Muppets like LBC Radio and Talk Radio and GB News, they are working day and night to suppress the truth about the dangers of these jobs. Day and night they're working to make sure that people don't hear it. So our neighbour, Ruth, doesn't hear that the jobs are dangerous, which might then make her decide not to go and have a job. For the gentleman we've had on the programme this week who might, if the media had done 
its job last year, or I should say back in late 2020, early 2021, uh, they, they might be in good health now. If the media had asked a few questions when they were rushing these jabs into people's arms. Let me read some of your comments. It's 25 minutes to the top of the hour. Things are flying by this hour, strangely enough. I've got some more, um, got a couple of more stories to talk about in a moment. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the boat that got into trouble on the channel this morning, which, which, at least when I came on air, has led to the death, the deaths even, of four people. I want to talk a little bit about that and the reporting of it. Okay, if I can get the comments up and running here on the website, which is a little bit slow at the moment because there is such a volume of traffic on it. We are constantly working on that. In fact, I've got a website. I'll tell you about that later on. Let me read some more of your comments, or some of your comments. Um, Jenny says, This has made me cry out of sheer bloody anger. Is the agenda the only thing that matters now? And it doesn't matter if people are killed, maimed, and have their lives destroyed. What a sick world it's become, says Jenny. Uh, Dean says, we, we need a couple of high-ranking celebs or MPs to kick the bucket from the jabs. I hope nobody dies, Dean. I hear what you're saying. I really do mean that. I don't want anybody to die. I don't care how bad they've been in their life. They might have another judge. There might be a judge when they come to the end of their time on this planet. I don't know. It's not something I believe myself, but there might be. Let somebody else judge them. I don't judge people, no matter how bad they are. That's the thing. I don't want them to, to kick the bucket and keel over. Anybody. It's rotten, isn't it? Jonathan says, presenting with balance is harder to do with the globe model. Then he says, there's a little flat earth humour for you. That's Jonathan Stone. Thanks, Jonathan. William says, economic collapse, state collapse and youth disillusionment. A handful of predictions made by the World Economic Forum in the global risks document. It's all there in black and white. They want the public to get angry, and they should be, but the kick must be on our terms, not theirs. As for the jabs causing harm to high-ranking celebs or MPs, a number of you are saying you don't believe they were given the jab. I, I understand that point of view. If you're rolling out a jab and you understand it to be harmful, and this is the question, I don't know the answer to this. I think about it all the time. Compartmentalization. Let's accept the jabs are harmful to a lot of people, right? Let's accept that compartmentalization. How many people working at Pfizer would know that? Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe at the very top, right? Maybe at the very top of Pfizer, it was known that these jabs were going to ha harm people, hurt people. Now, if you had the opportunity and you had the means to do this, you would certainly be sensible in attempting to keep your jab, the jab that you know to be dangerous, to keep it away from high-profile people. But could you do it? You'll tell me about batch numbers now. Maybe. Yeah, listen. Possibly. What do I know? Possibly. It is possible that very high-profile people, that it was fixed in such a way that they were given something else. Maybe. Because your point is a good one. If very high-profile people started dropping dead while out walking, but then haven't they? Haven't we learned in the last six to eight months of not very senior, not very old, but mature celebrities 
dropping dead. There's been quite a number of them. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I believe there has been a number of them. You know, heart attack, sudden death. Chris says, Richie, uh, by the way, some of you are looking to see the Andrew Bridgen debate. You can watch it on YouTube. Just put Andrew Bridgen in and then in the settings, choose most recent and it'll come up. A number of people, including a doctor, somebody or other, has has actually recorded it and put it on there, so it's there. Chris says, Richie, it's confirmation that governments are controlled by big pharma and corporations, and people are banging on about voting for the Reform Party. Jilly says, none of the first boxes of jabs had any side effects on the list of side effects in the box. Fact, she says. They were all a blank sheet of paper. Is that right, Jilly? So when they began rolling out these jabs, the Pfizer mRNA, early doors, it's your claim that early on there wasn't anything other than a blank sheet of paper in the box. Is that right? Uh, thanks for that. Dean points out there were around six or seven MPs in the House listening to Andrew Bridgen. Six or seven out of 650. Uh, there were around 20 there for the debate before that, which we, he says was about the number 21 bus route, was it? It was about a bus route. Where? In London. But isn't that down to the London Assembly? Or, um, Al says, it says it all about our elected representatives by the amount of them that turned up to attend this debate. If it had, about, if it had been about Black Lives Matter, trans rights or refugees, there would have been a lot more of these stooges there. Millie says that she has four family members uh, and and know my son's next door neighbour. Two have died following the jab. Another who has had two heart attacks and a stroke and the other who is disabled after being coerced by the healthcare industry government. And my son's next door neighbour who works in the NHS, coerced, has had a stroke following the jab. I don't know of anyone personally who has died of a flu of the flu even, or of COVID ever, says Millie. And 10% 10, 10 of 650 is 65. That's right, Craig. Yeah, you see, this is the guy who, who had to repeat mathematics. Yeah, I couldn't get my head around that. Of course it is. 10 into 650 is 65. Absolutely. I'm learning that it wasn't even 10. Jesus. What's the percentage? What's... What, yeah, no, the percentage. What what percentage of 650 is 5 or, or 6 or 7? Dreadful, isn't it? Isn't it just absolutely dreadful? I mean, that's pretty serious, isn't it? A, an MP is coming to the chamber and he says that he's got with him evidence that the jabs are deadly for many people, not for everybody. And you, as a constituency politician, because they all call themselves, oh, well, I'm a constituency politician, I'm here in Westminster to do the best by my constituents. They're not. They're there to line their own pockets, to make an awful lot of money and to be on telly. Narcissistic wankers, most politicians. I know this. I've worked with them in radio for years as a producer. Narcissistic people who want to be famous, but they weren't clever enough or talented enough to become famous. The traditional way. The traditional way to become famous is to be clever enough or to be talented enough. If you can't be, go into politics. That's where the idiots are who couldn't become famous any other way. And there's a lot of truth in that. It's a bit of hyperbole there, but there's a lot of truth in it. Politicians are attention seekers. Most of them. That's why they get in. They don't give a shit. 
They get incredibly well paid. Lots of expenses. They get to be on the telly. They get to be treated like an important person. They get to attend, uh, you know, prestigious events. They get to attend dinners and receptions. So it's quite a comfy life. They couldn't give a shit about their constituents. Couldn't give a damn. If you gave a damn about your constituents last night, you would want to be there when Andrew Bridgen said this. Because you would want to take it back to your constituents, wouldn't you? I mean, surely that's not too much to ask. Christ. Really? Well, I'm the MP for Salford Central. There's no such place. It's, it's Salford and Eccles these days. They've merged two, two towns. Well, Salford is a city. They've merged Eccles with Salford. Um, so I'm Salford Eccles. It's actually uh, Rebecca Long Bailey. It's Rebecca Long Bailey is the MP. I'd want to be there so that I could go back to my constituency office and to, to ask my team to prepare a leaflet. What, what, what leaflet's that now, Richie? I want you to prepare a leaflet and I want you to print on it that which Andrew Bridgen alleged. And underneath it, print that I, Richie Allen, I can't be sure that everything he said is bang on the money, but I can't disprove it either. You need to know this before you go and have another booster. I'm not telling you to have one, not telling you not to have one. Get that on a leaflet and get that into every letterbox in Salford and Eccles. Now. Tomorrow. But no, five or six of them turned up. Wunderbar. And here's the thing about this, um, let's just change tack a little bit. Let's let's talk about something else. I have listeners. They've been with me for years. And because of that, I love them, even though they drive me around the bend sometimes. But then I drive them around the bend too. So it's fair. All's fair in love and driving people around the bend. And they said to me, Richie, do you think it's a coincidence that yesterday the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, promised to be much harder on migrants and he promised to send Albanians back to Albania? Do you think it's a coincidence, Richie, that the following morning we have a big event, a big scene in the channel? It's a staged event, Richie. It never happened. That's what they say to me. I know they do it to wind me up. Doesn't wind me up. Just gets me repeating the things that I've been saying all my life and it pisses me off that I have to repeat them. Um, you don't have any evidence of that. There are a lot of migrants trying to cross the channel. They are doing it in the dead of night. It is freezing fucking cold in the channel now. A person fully clothed could expect to last about 15 to 18 minutes in the channel. Yeah, if you capsize. Even with a life jacket. 15 to 18, 18 minutes where your body temperature, your core temperature becomes so cold that you have a heart attack and you die. So, I'm prepared to take at face value that some migrants died in the channel this morning. But I hear you, you're suspicious of everything, you don't believe anything these days, fair enough. Um, it's not where I am, I think it might have happened. So this is the story, right? A boat with about 49 or 50 people was spotted, uh, I don't know who spotted it, a fishing crew spotted it, allegedly a dinghy in the, the, the channel between Kent and France, about three o'clock this morning. The skipper pulled his boat alongside the dinghy because it was taking on water, the dinghy, and people, some people were in the water. And this has been filmed, footage of this has been filmed. And some of these people, some of these migrants, were only wearing t-shirts and very thin life jackets. The boat looked, to say the boat looked unseaworthy, is like saying that... Um, Indi no, no, I'm not going to get into the tranny stuff. I'll leave that there. 
the boat didn't look very seaworthy. They've said now that four people have died and others have been treated in hospital for hypothermia and whatnot, right? And this has been the focus of most of the news coverage this afternoon. You know, we've talked to you and me many times over the years about how news has replaced 24-hour uh, sorry, 24-hour news channels have replaced the daytime soaps in people's houses. This is my bugbear. This is the thing I've been talking about for years. This is my issue, right, as a producer, as a journalist. So I wasn't surprised at all that at 2 o'clock this afternoon, a Sky News presenter began her programme from, you've guessed it, from Dover, from the shoreline. Why? Why would you do that? Because it's an event, you see. Creating an event, making, drawing people in getting people to participate, making a big drama out of a tragedy. And that's a lot to do with programming people and nudging people to think a certain way about these things. Um, so typically enough, the media came down on two sides. So the conservative media, uh, the usual talk radio and GB news and, and whatnot, um, banged the drum again about nothing has been done to stop these migrants. It's got to, they've got to be stopped. It's got to be stopped. It's got to be stopped today. We've got to send them back, blah, 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 blah. And the so-called liberal media then, your LBC and the BBC and whatnot, um, well, they were saying that um, ultimately it's racism. Racism leads to a boat capsizing in the channel or taking on water. It's racism. Racism. This is caused by people who don't want anybody in coming into their country. That's what they were saying. You think I'm lying? Let's have a listen, just a brief listen, to uh, James O'Brien on LBC on this issue. Why are these things still happening? People in boats getting into difficulty and drowning in the channel. Not quite nailed it yet today. This question about what success looks like for Rishi Sunak is, is important, it's pertinent, but it doesn't cut to the heart. For me, the heart of this is the knowledge that they have that they can never go far enough. Once you allow this genie out of the lamp, and Brexit, I'm afraid, broke the lamp, this genie of xenophobia, if we're to be generous, and base racism, if we're to be honest, once it's out, I don't know how you get it back in again. I don't know how you get it back in again. But the idea that we don't want anyone. It's nonsense, isn't it, about wanting controlled migration? Why, why is it nonsense? You have controlled migration. People are still going to speak foreign on trains. You might still end up sitting next, living next door to a Romanian, God forbid. Yeah, but people are asking for controlled migration because they hope that if migration is controlled and the country admits and welcomes the people it needs to fill job vacancies or whatever, whether it's in the NHS or elsewhere, people want to trust in controlled migration. But they get... They, they get media gaslighting again. They get the media telling them that they don't mean what they say or that what they think is something completely different than what they are saying. There's, there's, no, there's, there's no nuance here. If you're complaining about migrants coming in, this leads to people dying in the channel, says James O'Brien. This is nonsense, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to debate anybody. He's not going to have a guest on to challenge him. So he says that, and he says that this all comes out of people who don't want anyone in the country, and when they say they want controlled migration, ha-ha, you'll still, even with controlled migration, end up with somebody speaking a foreign language on the train. But what does that even mean? I reckon that when people say they want controlled migration, I think they mean it. 
they want it controlled in such a way that you get enough migrants into the country to fill the job vacancies that are desperately needed to be filled, right? But, but that it doesn't put an enormous strain on public services. I actually believe people when they say that because I don't believe in gaslighting people. I don't believe in telling people you don't mean what you say you mean, you're a liar. Take them at face value. Do you hate migrants? No. How could I, Richie? Um, well, what do you complain about for then? I can't get to see a GP, Richie. I can't. I'm on the housing list, Richie. And when somebody's asylum claim is approved, or when an Albanian or a Romanian or a Polish worker comes into the country and gets to stay here, um, they go on the housing list as well, Richie. And that basically screws me. It really does screw me. I've genuinely got nothing against them. But there has to be some sort of control here. When, when somebody says that to me, I believe them. Because it makes sense. Because I'm an old socialist. And I remember socialists, or pretend socialists, like Jeremy Corbyn, 35 years ago, talking about the dangers of uncontrolled immigration. That bearded twat, Jeremy Cor Corbyn, who now talks about compassion for migrants. This Islington North MP, Jeremy Corbyn, one-time leader of the Labour Party. This lying bastard who now goes out and screams into megaphones talking about compassion for migrants and asylum seekers. 35 years ago, that bastard was telling the truth about migration. He was saying, you know what uncontrolled migration will do to the working class in this country? It'll capsize the working class. Or it'll fuck you. Or it'll properly fuck you. And your bosses will get cheaper labour. You'll get the axe. You'll struggle for decent schools. You'll struggle to pay your bills. Nothing xenophobic about that. The media gaslights you all the time. Ah, oh, you don't mean that. You're a dirty, rotten, fucking racist, aren't you? No. No, I'm not, actually. No, I, it, it just occurs to me that this year alone, the country has grown by 500,000 people. That's net migration this year, this last year. Yeah. Yeah. And that can't be good in a cost-of-living crisis, which, of course, is happening for other reasons than the ones they're giving us. This is about Great Reset. This is about you. We'll be happy with nothing. We know that. But the vast majority of people don't know. And they're saying, can't just keep leaving people in here. Struggling. But uh, you're a racist bastard. That's what they do, you see. James O'Brien. The James O'Brien who ad hominem launched an ad hominem attack at a Conservative Party MP who's questioning the safety of the vaccines. Let's hear a little bit more of that and then we'll move on. Control doesn't change the language that people speak or the, or the nationality of your neighbour. So what does it mean when people talk in such disgusting terms? Discuss what do you mean disgusting terms about controlled migration? What is wrong with expecting your government to ensure that the fiscal needs, not the fiscal needs, but the societal needs, the community needs of British people are prioritised what the fuck is repugnant or disgusting about that? Because I can't figure it out! And I'm a fair man! I'm sick of the working poor, working class people, like myself, being called racist and bigoted for asking a question. What are you doing allowing thousands of young men come into the country? What, what are you doing that for? You can see the impact of it. You're not blind. Why do you persist with such a policy? Oh, you're fucking racist, mate. You're just a xenophobe. You don't like dark-skinned people or foreign languages. 
No, I couldn't give a shit about foreign languages or dark-skinned people. I just give a shit about people in my community having enough, having access to a decent job. That's not some zero-hours contract bullshit, which means they have to do three jobs just to pay the rent before they even think about buying food at their supermarket of choice. That's what I care about. It's got nothing to do with the accent of the bloke or the colour of his skin. They keep doing it to people, you know. I wonder will they push people far enough that people will say enough is enough. We had riots in these parts many years ago. Read about them online. About breaking points. They don't want anyone. And they don't actually care. They just know that you can achieve fame and fortune in this country, especially post-Brexit, by being performatively vile about foreign people, about refugees in particular, or foreigners in general. Unless I think he's got a point there, O'Brien, when he talks about some of the celebrities in the right-wing media. I think he actually has a point there. Let's, let's give him his due that uh, using ridiculous phrases like performatively and just talk, just speak properly, you dickhead, you're on the radio. On the radio, speak to people properly, using five-syllable words when one-syllable words will suffice. Speak properly to people. You're making a good point there. I've no doubt. I've said this before. We see it in the independent media. People out to make a fast buck who really couldn't give a shit. Really, you know, I'd prefer some of these people were racist, but they're not. Nigel Farage isn't a racist. He's an opportunist, and a lot of the people he hangs around with, not racists, I don't imagine, but opportunists. There's money, there's fame in taking a polarised uh, position because you'll have the undying support of many thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who actually really feel this way. Not racist, but who feel we're screwed. Why do we keep allowing people come into the country at the rate of a half a million a year? Why are we doing that? So no doubt that people like Farage and others prey on those people and take advantage of them because there's money in it. No doubt about that. On that point, O'Brien and I would tentatively agree, I would say. Unless they're incredibly rich Russians, in which case you put them in the House of Lords. So it's not even racism in the simplest sense, is it? It's just politically opportunist. Guys like O'Brien and me, I'm not wealthy. I don't have the wealth enjoyed by James O'Brien. Good luck to him. I've never had to be on a housing list, you know, waiting for my turn to come where I would be given access to an affordable house by the local authority that I could rent. I've never, uh, but he hasn't either. He's never experienced any of the things that are experienced by the people he's calling racist. It's just easy to call them racist. They're just racist. Oh, then they're not racist. Who's not racist? Oh, the right-wing celebrities. They're not racist. They're just opportunists, opportunists even. You've got that right. The time is a two and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Let's have a tune. And in a few moments' time, I'm looking forward to uh, greeting and meeting David Weiss or Flat Earth Dave. On the line, he'll be from Connecticut to talk about why he believes the Earth is flat. It's a disc and it isn't a globe spinning around on its own axis and also spinning around the sun. We'll have a good 45-50 minutes with Dave. So if you'd like to say something, please drop a comment in at Comment Live on my website, richieallen.co.uk. 
I am Richie Allen, by the way. Good to be with you this Wednesday. the BBG, not the BBC. ACDC, Saunders, Rock on the Richie Allen Show, two and a half minutes past six it is. I'll be back with Dave, Flat Earth Dave, after this. Do not go anywhere. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immune X365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of the Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to Immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. And with free two-day track delivery. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at RichieAllen.com Right, my guest this hour was born on the east coast of the United States. Um, He's a successful businessman who spent a few years in New York at a comedy club there. He hosted a conspiracy comedy show. And it was while he was doing that that fans came up to him and they said, Dave, do us a favour, why don't you look into the flat earth theory? And Dave thought it was ridiculous. And he said, don't be stupid, man. That's just a load of old baloney. But he started to look into it himself in an attempt to disprove it, okay, and to put it to bed once and for all and found that he couldn't. He's very well known, much sought after guest on podcasts and radio shows. Let's welcome to the programme David Weiss, Flat Earth Dave. Welcome, Dave. How are you? Richie, thank you for having me. I've been listening to you on and off for years, and you are a warrior for what's going on in the world right now. And, uh, you know, the things that your listeners will be thinking right now is why the heck is you is Richie even entertaining the idea of Flat Earth with all this other important stuff with, uh, you know, the lethal injection that's going on? And I'm going to show you why this is equally as important. Um I could talk about that, uh, you know, the lethal injection with you all day long, but we want we only have a little bit of time. Yeah, let's get into it. Earth. But by the way, but I want to. Can, can I just jump ahead. in there? Um, yeah. You can't claim, I can't claim, or nobody can claim to be an open door platform or a free speech platform if you don't listen to your, you know, listeners and if they ask you to, to speak about a subject. It was never taboo here, uh, Flat Earth. It's just I'm. I'm, I've been a straight news guy for years. I cover straight news events. I tried to pick them apart. That's why I've not gotten too deep into it. But I'm glad you're here, pal. You're welcome here. I just want to have a tiny bit of fun with you just before we start talking about Flat Earth. Something that I was sent by one of your supporters. And they said, uh, Richie, you better better watch out for this Dave guy. He doesn't think very highly of the Irish. Let me have, let me just play this for you now and see what you think. <laughs> you know what's funny? Something's happened in Ireland. Every time I talk to Ireland guys, no offense to you whatsoever, but they're the dumbest fucking idiots. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, have, I, I should send Are you. 
I should say, oh my something. god, I have some clips of, of these Irish guys. It'll blow you away how dumb they are. You will be embarrassed to be Irish. Oh, I want to see all this shit now. Okay, right. So I'm going to be embarrassed to be Irish at the end of this. What were you thinking? Right, I'm only right, joking. So, I, I so. look context. That was fun. That was good fun. You were speaking to some Irish guys in a in a podcast. It was great fun, right? I had a series of uh, of Irish podcasts where they the guys really were dumb. And, you know, and I generalized and I stereotyped and I made that comment. So, yeah, we were having a lot of fun. But just getting back to what I was saying, um, why are we talking about this? Why is it important? Well, I'm going to tie those two things together right now with all of the conflicts in the world, you know, wars and, you know, fighting over resources and and everything. There's only two things that all of the countries in the world agree upon. One of them is everyone needs to get the lethal injection. And two, um, nobody is allowed to independently explore Antarctica, which is the one thing that would prove that we're not on a globe. So that's interesting. So let's dive in. Tell one me about that. Hang are, on, hang on. Tell me about this. People that, are not allowed to explore Antarctica. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So in 1940s and 50s, they started exploring Antarctica. Admiral Byrd did his famous uh, uh, Project High Jump. And he went out and he said, he went beyond the South Pole and he discovered land bigger than the United States, filled with resources. No people have ever seen it, ever, you know, no step foot upon it. Uh, no animals, no plants, just empty, just resources in the middle of nowhere. And then all of a sudden the Antarctic Treaty was signed. Um, eventually all the countries in the world, all the major countries in the world signed it and nobody can go there. And people say, well, let me let me Google that. And you Google it just like Googling our vaccine safe. Right. And you get. Oh, yeah, there's 100 different companies that will take you there. Those 100 companies, Richie, are run by the same guy, right? And they're overpriced, and they only take you to this little peninsula um, called Deception Island. Interesting, right next to Rothschild Island, I think. And um, they don't show you anything except some ice and penguins, and they kick you out. No one's allowed to explore the outer lands, the outer space of Antarctica. How could they be stopped though, Dave? I mean, if you, well, if you chartered, I mean, if you had your own seaworthy vessel that could travel like that, who's going to stop you and say, hey, I will you tell you. go on. I will tell you. So there, there's eight islands. One of them is the Falkland Islands. If you remember that, that yeah. why, why are we fighting over the Falkland Islands? And they're all, they all have, um, um, they all have military bases on it run by the crown and they guard it. They, 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 they're in charge of that section of the Southern Ocean. The Southern Ocean, I think, is bigger than all of the other oceans combined, and no one's allowed to go there. The Southern Ocean is all of the water outside of 60 degrees south. That's a massive area, and no one's allowed to go there. You can't even see Antarctica from 60 degrees south. Okay, And then there, they have networks of buoys out there. There were some fishermen a few years ago um, that went out uh, across there, and they were stopped by a destroyer. Right? There's also people that have gotten permission from their countries to explore Antarctica. When they got there, they were stopped. Excuse me. They were turned around. They were sent home, and their ships were taken from them. They were lost their licenses, and they were put in jail. I mean, if you look into the Antarctic Treaty, um, you know they say, "Oh yeah, you can go to Antarctica. Just fill out this paperwork. You know, spend up to two million dollars in permit fees, and then when we deny you, we keep your money." Okay, so again, again, Richie, that would fascinate Googling. me. Though. That would fascinate me. The, the, you know, people having their vessels confiscated. And if yeah, that's true, so, look, I, I've got to take a lot of what you say at face value because as much as I've done done as much research as I possibly can in the last few days, this is your area of research. It's not mine. I couldn't get anybody to come on and have a proper debate with you. I did see you debate a guy on YouTube, yeah, and I thought Dave. I thought he was incredibly not, incredibly rude. The guy. I thought it was pretty shabby, to be honest. I didn't yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, and there's a. 
Yeah. There's a breakdown of that and showing just really, you know, he's just all ad homs and a straw man arguments. He really did nothing other than embarrass the scientific community, but he's not even a scientist. He's a failed musician. I don't musician. like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not the way I do. Yeah, yeah. It's not the way I do business. So, so, so can I say this? Because look, it's already 10 past and we're going to go till about five minutes at the top of the year. I'm going to tell you where I am and then I'm going to shut up and I'm going to get, let you speak. I, as far as I understand it, the earth is, is, is round. Now, there is a funny caveat there. I'm very open to the simulation model that the world we live in is a simulation. We'll park that because that might not be something you're particularly interested in getting into. But uh, over the years, you know, it has come up once or twice. Richard, what do you think of flat earth? What I say, this is what I go on. I go on the, I know you're going to laugh, um, the live feed from the International Space Station, which shows the curvature <laughs> of the earth, right? Stop laughing. The thousands of satellite pictures that we have of earth taken by all manner of satellites. Stop laughing, I said. You'll get a chance to laugh in a minute, right? Um, gravity, we can get into that in a few minutes as well. Um, something which you've been accused of in the, pa in the past, which I'm not accusing you of, but it is a real thing. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. A lot to do with people who wouldn't be you know, learned experts on subjects, but who come to believe that they're experts because they've got a computer and they've gone on to Google. Again, we yeah. might talk about that later on. But just on the NASA stuff, the space station, and everybody else has ever gone up there. And I've even spoken to pilots. Now, look, I'm not going to lie. I've not gotten into too many chats with pilots about um, the curvature of the Earth. But I have heard from, from pilots, and I have no reason to think they're lying. They say, look, what, what what they see when they're up very, very, very high is a curved earth. Now you don't agree with that. Richie, Why? Richie, let me let me let me let me jump in here. Okay, there jump are in. many, many, many pilots that know all of the Qantas pilots, those are the those are the ones out of Australia. They all know, they tell us that they're not allowed to talk about it publicly. Um there I actually spoke with an American Airlines pilot last night. Um and uh, I'm I'm having a private call with him and another major captain um, because they're afraid to come out, but they want to learn more about it. When you're flying an airplane, you just believe because Bill Nye, the line guy with the bow tie, told you, oh, the Earth is too big to see the curvature, but oh, we can see boats go over the curvature. And so pilots are just flying, GPS is flying the plane, they, they take off and land, that's it. They're not navigating anything. No one brings a globe into the cockpit and goes, oh, we're going from here to here. Southern flights prove the Earth is flat. They make no sense on a the globe. They make perfect sense on, on a flat Earth. So going from Santiago to Australia, you go all the way up to America, all the way over to Dubai or to China, and then all the way back down. That makes no sense. On a globe, you would just go across the bottom, even around Antarctica, since we're not allowed to fly over Antarctica. Um, but it makes no sense. You look at it on a flat Earth map, it's a straight line. It's a straight line from one end to the other. And the other thing is people say, well, you know, they have to go, they stop, they have hubs, they have to pick up people. Well, there's a thing that's happening quite often now called emergency landings where people, uh, you know, emergency plane has to land. And when the plane lands, it lands in an airport that is nowhere near the flight path that they're taking. And they get there incredibly fast. I have tons of examples of this. There's a book called 16 Emergency Landings Proving Flat Earth. And they all make sense because the, the airport that they landed at is literally on a straight line between the origin and the destination every single time. This okay. is interesting. So again, I can't. Let, I can't. Let me just throw this out. Let, yeah. wait, let me just throw this out. So, so people, if you're looking for the information, flatearthdave.com. Get around the Google censorship. Flatearthdave.com. You have my interviews channel there. My my all my social media, all my short videos, my crash course in the middle of the page called Crash Course. I challenge anybody. There's a bunch of videos there. You can't get through three of them before realizing that you don't live on a globe. And I offer three thousand ounces of silver or three bitcoins for anybody that can come up with one proof of the globe. Remind, remind, us, remind us of the website. I was going to do it anyway, but remind us Flat, of the website address flat, again. It's, 
It's flatearthdave.com. That's the easiest one to remember. It actually points to the flatearthpodcast.com, but flatearthdave.com. That's me, flatearthdave, flatearthdave.com. Everything's there. Now, I have an app that will bypass algorithms. Um, the problem is right now on the app as of today, we're having a little problem. Google just updated their their uh, their um, operating system, and the app is having a major issue, but that's going to be fixed in 24 hours. So if you want to buy the app for Apple, no problem. If you want to get it for Android, um, just wait a day, please. Half the planet is dark now, and half of it is in daylight. Why is that? If the Earth was flat, wouldn't the sun illuminate the entire yeah. surface at the same time? Um, that's that's actually not true. The first thing you said, it's not half. Uh, there's other. There's certain times a year where more of the globe is lit, more of the world. I said globe, um, just from you know indoctrination. I'm not going to pull and you up on it. Sometimes it's on. less. If yeah. If it was if it was a globe, it would always be 50-50. And, and again, the day and night cycles on the app under the Frequently Asked Questions page, there's a day and night button. There's seasons. Seasons actually prove the, the Earth is flat. But think about this. If you were in a giant room, a long, big you know, room, like 100, 200, 300 yards long, and you got a light and you held it a, a couple feet over the floor on one end of this dark room, it would light up just that area of the room. The other end of the room wouldn't have any light, except you would be able to see the light. But the problem is on the world stage – right? The world is a stage. We have the atmospheric layer in between us and the celestial lights above them with us being below that atmospheric layer. And it literally blocks it. I have a tons of videos called where does the sun go? And I show you, but here's the thing. Do not believe anything I tell you. Go and verify this stuff yourself. Richie, we all have the same story and you're going to have the same story. We heard about Flat Earth. We said it was ridiculous. We railed on it. We didn't take the time to look at it. But then we looked, and then we tried to disprove it, and then we realized, holy moly, the Earth is not a spinning ball. A spinning ball flying through space is scientifically impossible. Well, think about this, Richie. This is what you have to believe. You're on a rock, a lumpy rock that's surrounded by water that magically turns spherical, surrounded by spherical air adjacent to a void, a vacuum, adjacent without a barrier, flying through space in directions, in four different directions at once at speeds that you can't even fathom. And somehow all the water just sticks to the ball and everything works. And someone in Australia is standing antipodal to me. Our feet are facing each other. None of that makes any but sense. But it's gravity, doesn't possible. it? But it's gravity, isn't it? And have, Gravity have, is a theory. Hold on. Gravity is a theory. When you have a theory, Richie, and it doesn't work, you throw it out. But gravity didn't work. And they said, well, we need to replace uh, gravity with 96% dark matter and dark energy. 96%, something they've never seen. And they say, well, we have to replace it because without it, it doesn't work. Therefore, it has to exist. That's called pseudoscience. Here's the thing. There is a thing called the electrostatic charge. That's a provable thing. The Earth has a negative or neutral charge, and the air, the sky, has a positive charge. Positive and negatives attract to each other. So anything above the ground has that positive charge, and the ground's not moving, so it says down is this way. This is what science tells us that the electrostatic charge is 10 to, I think, the 38th power more powerful than gravity. That's a number that's so ridiculous. Let's say it's just 10 to the 10, 10 to the 5. doesn't even matter. More powerful than gravity. So let's pretend, and we have to really pretend, gravity's real. And I hold an apple or a microphone, as Neil deGrasse Tyson, the failed actor, did, and I drop it. It's going to go down. The electrostatic force is um, millions of times stronger than gravity. So how can you claim it's gravity? It's gravity. If I jump up, if I because if I jump in the air, I'm going to come down. I'm going to land. I'm going to hit the ground on my feet. If I jump off a building, so, I'm going Richie, to hit the ground. I'm going to die. 
Well, that's because you're more dense than the air around you and you have a, a positive charge and the ground is negative. So you have that you know, buoyancy and density. Buoyancy and density sort everything else out, right? The gravity force, the, the, the downward force is such a weak force. I don't think it's, it's barely measurable, but it says, hey, down is this way. On the app, under the frequently asked questions, hit the gravity button and all of the videos are there to show you the experiments, to show you how we can defy well, speaking, hang on, hang on, hang on. Changing the electrostatic force. Speaking about experiments now, flatearthdave.com. Flat Earth Dave is on the show this evening. It's, uh, it's really interesting stuff. This on the experiments. I remember a few years ago. I read about this, and then I checked it out because I don't believe what I read in the paper, so I check it out. There was a YouTube group called Globebusters. You remember these people? I'm sure you know yes, them. They're still out them. on Sundays. Every yeah, Sunday. and they took a ring laser gyroscope. And they made a big deal of this. They made a big event out of it. Yes. And they Can said, no, 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 you're not going to cut me off, Dave. No, we don't do that, Go my ahead. friend. No, Sorry, we do not bad, do that. You're very bad. Let me ask the question <laughs> before you jump all over it. And yeah. don't give me this, because this is, I saw this with my own eyes. They said, yeah. we've got a ring laser gyroscope. We will be able to show you that the Earth isn't rotating. And what happened was they proved the opposite. They were able to actually detect the 15 degree an hour rotation of the Earth. That happened, and I did see so, that. And they looked a bit embarrassed about it. Yeah, yeah. So what you saw was an edited film by a bunch of anti-flat Earthers uh, that went out and did a hit piece. And there's two things they did in that video. One, they showed Bob, you know, from Globusters go, you know, hey, we showed a 15, about a 15-degree hour drift. He goes, let's not tell the Globers about this because they'll run wild. And then they cut it. They cut it. That's all they showed in the movie. Now, the truth was, they said, okay, there is a 15-hour drift. Now, what is it? Is it the Earth spinning or is it the ether spinning? So there has to be another experiment. So they did another experiment. They took at the same latitude, they went to the top of a mountain in Denver, I believe, and they tested it from up there. And from up there, if the Earth was spinning, it would be 15 degrees per hour perfectly, just like it is on the ground, but it wasn't. It was different. So that unequivocally proves that it's the sky, the ether, whatever you want to call the sky, that was spinning and not the Earth. It unequivocally proves it. Okay, I don't so buy they didn't that, put Dave. that in the movie. They didn't I, put that in the movie. I don't buy. Well, I have to take your word for it, and I'd have to take their word yeah. for it. And I've got to be a skeptic, a skeptic, because I'm a journalist. I have to be skeptical. Absolutely. Look, look, <laughs> skydivers. Let me just tell people where where to find that. That just in the on the app under the debunking the debunkers. There's a whole bunch of videos showing you all of the experiments, showing you how you're being deceived, showing you how Nat Geo lies about, you know, curvature over um, over a lake. But go ahead, skydivers. Yeah, yeah I mean, th there's been so many people have done high altitude, low opening jumps. We've had we've had people in high flying aircraft. There's been so many of them yeah. and they've photographed yeah. this stuff. Bezos, I mean, I'm, look, I'm not saying that people should start trusting Jeff Bezos, but he was taken up mm -hmm. there, wasn't he? He comes down, unless he's the greatest actor that ever lived. I mean, the guy is absolutely bawling. He's bawling his eyes out. He can't believe it. And he describes what he saw, this beautiful yeah. ball, this beautiful globe. They can't all be lying, Dave. Yeah, they are. They, they are lying. For, for what? Are, like, what game? Are fooled. Like, hold on a second. So, so you know, we people say, "Oh, we see it from an airplane," and so we send, uh, you know, they, then we say, "Well, you can't see it from an airplane." We proved that the horizon's flat when you use a regular lens. So then they say, "Oh, well, you have to see it from a jet fighter," you know, uh, at seventy thousand feet. And then we showed how um, one of their cameras wasn't fish high, and it showed a level horizontal, you know, almost eye level horizon. And then they're like, well, you have to go higher than that. So we sent a balloon up to 120,000 feet without a fisheye lens. And it showed a perfectly flat, uncurving horizon. And uh, now Neil deGrasse Tyson, the failed actor, says that uh, they've moved the globe posts again and again, that you have to go higher than 120,000 feet. Well, no one's 
jumping from above 120,000 feet, except Felix Baumgartner on the on the Red Bull jump. I think he went from 127,000 feet, and he said he saw the curvature. But you know, they did two test flights before the one that they aired, and they didn't use GoPros, and it showed a level horizon. It showed a level horizon. So again, we have the videos, we have them filmed, we show you how the horizon, like from the space station and from everywhere else, it's always changing. It's, it's really tight, it's a ball, then it's convex and it's flat, it's all over. And that's because they're using fisheye lenses. And how, this is a deception you, to you, imprison you, you your mind. You, you talked about this fisheye lenses. I'm going to drag out something in a minute from, from yeah. physics.com where they explain this fisheye lens phenomenon, where, 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 they, where they claim to explain it. But with the greatest respect to you, and I am giving you the greatest respect because I think you're an amiable guy. I think you're a bright guy. Um, but um, I don't agree with this. Let, let me give you a couple of other things that I can't get my head around. Um, look, we're not talking about thousands. We're talking tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people who've seen the Earth from space and they... I'm not saying they swear by it, but they come back telling these, you know, these stories of what they've seen. It's wonderful. We've had, um, um, I can't think of his name, Tim Peake, British astronaut on the space station. He did live feeds for Sky News when he was up there and he pointed the camera out the window. It all looks pretty genuine to me, Dave. Yeah, it does, but it's not. And here's the thing. On, again, on the app under the as NASA, the only space agency, we have caught them again and again and again. How many times, like if I was showing you undeniable footage on the space station that they're using a green screen, undeniable footage that they're hanging from harnesses and sometimes those harnesses fail, undeniable uh, proof that they're using augmented reality and you're not looking at real physical objects. If I showed you that one time, 10 times, 100 times or 1,000 times, how many times would it take for you to go, okay, it's all a lie, right? And it is all a lie. When you look at the physics of space, right? They're in a tin can in a vacuum. Why doesn't it explode, right? You can't have high pressure next to low pressure. We have a, NASA has the Sandusky, I think it's called the vacuum uh, chamber, and they can't even make a full vacuum like space. And the walls are 11 feet thick with of steel and concrete, okay? None of that makes any sense. It doesn't work in physics, in reality. Pseudoscience is space. Space doesn't exist the way they tell us. I mean, the farthest star is the closest star, I'm sorry, is 25 trillion miles. Your brain can't fathom that, Richie. I heard you say earlier that you weren't good at math, but 25 trillion miles, if you're no, traveling 100,000 miles an hour, yeah. it would take you 28,000 years to get to the closest star. But quantum physics, the, look, I, I certainly don't understand mathematics, but I bet you and me are pretty equal when it comes to quantum physics. I can't get my head around it, but, but I'm fascinated by the notion that the stars we see, the light emanating from the stars, these are stars that have dead, that have blown up um, millions and millions of years ago. And well, that, that's what I find all this stuff infant. I can't understand why anybody would make this stuff up. Why? What's the game? So let me let me answer those two questions. Yeah. Those are the two best questions. Right. So when they, they tell us these stars are such distances away, but you don't understand there's a thing called the inverse square law of light. It's very simple. As light expands out, it spreads out. And so every time you double the distance to the light, that light is spread out one quarter of the brightness. OK, so there's a serious brightness issue of these stars. Right. And if you do the math and, and I do it in all my interviews, just check that out on flatearthdave.com. Go to the interviews. I do it in almost every interview when I'm doing a video interview. Um, I show you how if Polaris was two light days away, Polaris, our North Star, they tell us it's 48 times bigger than our sun. 
and we do some calculations. You couldn't see it at two light days away. And they tell us it's 433 light years away. These are inconceivable things. These are things that are scientifically provable that you could not see a star at these minimum distances away. And they tell us that they're, that they're ridiculous, you know, distances away and that we're looking at light from billions of years ago. That's nonsense. That's hang on, the, hang on. Yeah. The, the opposite is true, I think. The opposite is true. It is scientific fact that you cannot prove a negative. You can't prove that this is impossible. Well, you might say it's improbable, but you, you hang on. No. You mentioned. Let, let me let okay. me ask you this. You, you're having a great say now, so let me jump in. Um, you mentioned Polaris. There's another one. If you're in the northern hemisphere, if you're in if if you're north, for much further north of the UK, and you're looking at Polaris, right? So it's nearly directly above the North Geographic Pole, right? You can see it in in northern in, in northern latitudes. Let's call it that. But if you start to travel south, then towards the equator, the star will yeah. sink lower and lower and lower towards the horizon. That's a fact, and that must be okay. blocked by the curvature of the Earth. It must be. So this is what we were told. This is what we were all programmed to believe. But I'm going to explain to you in two seconds um, how it actually works. But you said uh, before, just back to the astronauts real quick, there's only been less than 600 people that have allegedly been into space. So not tens of thousands. So so the, when you're standing under a street light, uh, you're standing under you're on a straight road and you got a whole bunch of street lights and you're standing under a street light. Let's call that your noon sun or even Polaris or whatever. And then you look down the road, the, the you know, a half a mile, quarter mile down the road. The lights are now at your eye level and two miles down the road, you can't even see the lights because they've merged with the horizon. Well, that's how um, we see stars in the north. Polaris is high in the sky because Polaris is in the north. Polaris is the center of the flat Earth circle. So if if uh, as we go south farther away, it gets lower in the sky, just like a streetlight would get lower in the sky, lower in the sky. And here's the thing. If the Earth was a globe, you could not see Polaris beyond um, the equator, but Polaris has been spotted as far as 30 degrees south. That is scientifically impossible. That is provably impossible, okay? And uh, the global argument to that is, oh, it's refracting up and stopping at eye level. Nonsense. It's just going farther away. If you're standing in a hallway in Vegas, in a lot like the Bellagio, the lights at the other end of the hall are merging with the floor. It's called perspective. And again, where does the sun go on the frequently asked questions on the app? And then you'll understand how this works. This is stuff that they don't teach us in school. Let me put another couple of questions from me. These are my gotcha questions. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah no asking. problem. And, and uh, make sure we have time at the end for the why the lie, because that's the important No, one. no, we're going to go to that in a few minutes, because time is yep. uh, flying away from us. And I do want to read comments, because lots of comments yep. are flowing into my website. When the build big structures when they by they i mean when governments and cities decide to build big structures in some cases they must take into account the curvature of the earth you'll probably have heard this one before but this is another one that i can't get to my head around and i think this trumps your argument and this this is the humber bridge in yorkshire this is very important yeah. right now the humber bridge is an amazing structure i'm sure there are bigger and broader bridges in the united states but we're little old england here it's a lovely bridge right so it has two towers both of them are vertical and they were kept 36 millimetres or 1.4 inches uh, further apart at the top than they were yep. kept apart at the bottom. And that's down to yep. the Earth's curvature. It has to be. No, it doesn't. I'll explain why. So the centre of the bridge is pulling on those towers. So obviously you would lean them away. We have our new Tappan Zee Bridge here, which has the towers leaning extremely far apart. But we have the same thing with the Verrazano Narrows Bridge here, where the top, you know, it's like three centimetres or 30 centimetres, whatever it is, apart. That's just how they build it. And 
We have a beautiful photo on a calm day, um, uh, an orthographic view, and the towers are leaning away, but the water underneath it is perfectly level. Okay, that's just how they build bridges. Why would you build, a, you know, two parallel structures when everything's pulling towards the center? You would lean them away from each other. Yeah, but other. these are amazing engineers, and they say the reason we're doing this is not because it's pulling from the center. They say it's because of the curvature. Now, hang on, just loads of questions. Let me put these questions. I'm being fair now. Um, no problem. Harry and Pennywise. Harry says, Richie, please ask David if the sun on a flat Earth model is meant to rotate around the Arctic Circle at a fixed radius. How come in December people in Melbourne experience a southwesterly sunset setting towards the direction of Antarctica? That's a good yeah, bloody absolutely. question. That that is that is a complex a complex question, but we've completely answered it with the way optics in the sky works. There's a guy named Walter Bislin who's a globe believer who built a a model on his website that shows us um, how we view the sun, and he tried to do it to prove the globe, but it actually shows us exactly how flat Earth works. And again, uh, on a radio show, almost impossible. Yeah, but again, yeah, yeah. on uh, in the app, under where where does the sun go? It's all it's all listed there, and, and under seasons also. And Penny, hey, thanks for being brief with these answers, too. I appreciate yep. that. And th there will be some people who think that Dave is absolutely brilliant. He's a genius. There will be others listening who think Dave is bonkers, and they might be annoyed because I'm not jumping all over Dave. I don't have the knowledge to do that. All I can do is put to him what scientists have said. He answers. I can't come back at him other than what I've said at the top of the show. To me, in my opinion, let me put this to you, Pennywise, flatearthdave.com. You're listening to David Weiss. Is it Weiss or Weiss, David? Weiss like ice. Ah, right, yeah, Weiss, yeah. Weiss. Uh, Weiss, Weiss, like Weiss. excuse me, Weiss, w, yeah, yeah. Weiss. W, Weiss. David Weiss. Pennywise says, Richie, again, this is a two, he, he asks about the rainbow being curved, but before you answer that, um, he says, why is the rainbow curved? Let me also put to you, why in an eclipse, um, of the uh, moon, a lunar eclipse, is uh, the circle that moves from one side of the moon to the other around. The only possible explanation for that, surely, is that it's pointed towards a sphere. Why else would the shadow be, be circular? That and the rainbow, go ahead. So, so real quick, on the moon eclipse, the, the idea of a, uh, a round Earth casting a shadow on another sphere 238,000 miles away is ridiculous. You can't even cast a shadow with a single source light of like a basketball on a wall 20 feet away. So shadows don't work that way. Yeah, but the but sun. When you, when you sh hold on, hold on. Let the me, sun let me is explain. Massive. So uh, during, during a lunar eclipse, the Earth um, is supposedly getting in between the sun and the moon, right? But there's been many eclipses where the sun and the moon are both visible above the horizon. And not only that, the eclipse starts, the shadow, the darkening of the moon comes in from the top, okay, instead of the bottom. So when you look at that, when you look at the models of it, it makes no sense. It's called the Seleninian Eclipse. There's been over 50 of them, and uh, they're globe killers, if you ask me. Before we um, turn to why they would do it, because that's the fascinating t thing, yeah. let me just quickly run down a few comments uh, from our listeners here. I think they're happy you're on, uh, Dave. Uh, Isabel asks, about the flat Earth theory, does Dave then think that all the other planets in our solar system are flat too, or non-existent? Yeah. So, so think about this. When you if you look up uh, and look up at the stars, um, the Venus, not Venus, Jupiter is one of the brightest lights in the sky. Next, to, you know, other than the moon, uh, it's been in the sky recently. Uh, it's still up there. You know, if you look out tonight, it'll be up there. And it's it looks like it's as bright as the sun. It's it's literally as bright as the sun. So you have to believe that you know if you were on Jupiter, the sun is much farther away. So you'd have a smaller sun than we see. That little star-sized sun 
is lighting up the gases on Jupiter, which are non-reflective. They're reflecting back to Earth, ignoring the inverse square law of light and looking as bright as the sun from our eyes. Again, scientifically impossible. And again, the, as far as uh, other planets all being round, you know what? They kind of look round to me, but I don't know what they are. I don't even think they're physical. I think Jupiter, Mars is, you know, they could be energetic, energetic things. One quick thing. Let me just throw this about Jupiter. Take 15 seconds. Okay. They tell us Jupiter is the biggest planet and it has more gravity than all of the other planets in our solar system combined. Well, Jupiter is made mostly of hydrogen and helium. Guess what? Hydrogen and helium defy gravity. So how much hydrogen and helium does it take to create gravity? Right. And the, the other thing is, you know, if you uh, take hydrogen, a helium balloon and let it go and drop a feather, the feather is going to go down. The balloon's going to go up. So he feathers are heavier. So you're telling me if you had a Jupiter size bundle of feathers, it's more gravity than all of the other planets combined. Again, when you look into planets, you find out that it's all brainwashing. There are no terraformer planets. I never the, studied the, physics. Let me read a few more comments before we get to the yep. whys. Um, yep. Mark says, what happens in the skies of Red Herring? We're talking about the ground we're standing on. Colin Thank says, what difference does it make? Social credit system, digital currency and the tyranny, he says that. William says, in his opinion, you can't be using space station footage to prove anything. NASA are masters of deception, says William. Uh, John says, the only flat, flat Earth model is full exploration. No one knows the full dimensions, he says. Let's scroll down. John has got some very interesting points here. John has a telescope. He, I know John. John's an Irish. Irish guy and just like every other Irish guy he's not stupid Dave just thought I'd point that out John has a telescope he says I can see moons orbiting Jupiter I can even see the round shadows cast by moons on the surface in Australia the moon is upside down that can be explained by a globe but complicated to explain if the earth is flat the moon would have to turn as it rotates why would it do that, Let me answer that one. hang on in a telescope the moon is clearly spherical says John good points go ahead yeah. So real quick, uh, on uh, again on the under the moon button on the app, and in all my videos, I, sh I show uh, four examples of the moon, and you can't tell which one's spherical and which one's not, and three of them aren't. Um, and the, as far as the moon um, being upside down, let's say you and I are in a big room, right? We got ten foot high ceilings, and we we tape a moon to the ceiling in the center, and I'm at one end of the room, and you're at the other. And we both look at the moon. One of them, you're going to see the moon upside down to me, and that's just how it works across the flat plane, right? So, and the other thing is the moon circles around in between the two tropics. And as it does, it kind of wagon wheels. And depending on your latitude, it turns at a different rate. And that's exactly how something circling above a flat plane would operate. This well, is again, theory now. This is know, theory, Dave. This is a theory. No, 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 it's not it's theory. A theory. It's, not, it's not. Come on. Again. The motions of the lights in the sky are no way to prove the shape of the earth. We can see too far. Large bodies of water at rest need lateral pressure, okay? And, and, they, and they're testably, measurably, scientifically, provably flat. We can see too far. We can see so far that the earth, we, we've seen ships that if the earth was a sphere, the radius of the earth would need to be 380,000 miles when they tell us the radius is less than 4,000, okay? We can see too far. That's what woke me up. That's what made me start looking. OK, and you can go out and do this stuff yourself. Go out and get a telescope. Go out and get a super zoom camera. Zoom in on things across calm water, not wavy water, calm water. And you will see that you, there's things that should be a mile below the curve that you can see. Yeah, but right? scientists, but hang on, but scientists have said that what you're actually seeing is a mirage. Now, you know this, especially well, over yeah, water. So, it's a mirage you're I know, seeing. A hundred percent. So there's the famous picture here in America, across Lake Michigan. I did my of, homework, um, Dave. Chicago. Can you... Uh, Chicago and it's 50 miles away and the, they said oh it's a mirage so a couple of our guys got in a boat 
they zoomed in like there's Chicago and then they drove 50 miles across the lake, keeping it in the film the whole time. And it never changed. If it was a mirage, it would morph out. It would disappear. But it didn't. It's not a mirage. That's what they use. They use pseudoscience to disclaim, um, you know, flat earth, uh, actually scientific claims again. We don't know exactly what's here. We don't know what's beyond the shoreline of Antarctica. Maybe there's more land, just like Admiral Byrd said. Maybe there's more ponds out there. Like our world is a pond. The shoreline of our pond is Antarctica that holds the water in. Maybe there's more ponds out there. If we lived on a giant plane and you had other pieces of the plane, you know what you call a piece of the plane? A planet. Let me have them. Um, the plane. Let me back in because I've got two more comments to read out. And then we've, keep an eye on the clock now because we're going to go to about five minutes too. And I'll cut you off then because I'll have to get out okay. uh, for the show. The it's great to have you on. FlatEarthDave.com. Lovely to, have, lo- lovely to meet you, Dave, genuinely. And uh, you're very welcome you. to this parish. Uh, Cooksey says, I'm laughing my ass off here. Buoyancy and density. You can literally do a gravity test with a bowling ball. Look it up. Before you answer that, Brenda says, Richie, please ask Dave the following. What's on the underside of this flat earth? What solid shape does he believe the earth is? Uh, a disc, inverted pyramid, cuboid, etc. So if you want to answer those quickly, that'll give us 10 yep. minutes then to, to answer why would they lie? Go ahead. Yes. So so what's under the earth? How would I know? Because the deepest hole ever dug was in Russia. It's just short of eight miles. It's called the Great Borehole. And while they were drilling it, they were using ground penetrating radar to see what they were going to hit next. And they were wrong every step of the way. Then they hit an impenetrable barrier and they couldn't get through it. They tried for years and years and years and couldn't. Then it was like, okay, well, even though we were wrong for the first seven and a half miles, we know what the next 4,000 miles is. And we know that there's a molten magnetic core. A molten magnetic core, they're laughing at us because you can't have a molten magnet. You heat a magnet up, it loses its magnetism before it even melts. And what about Brent? Oh, sorry, you answered that, yeah. And as to um, the previous uh, point, I bloody well lost that there now, um, about the bowling ball. Oh, the bowling ball. So buoyancy and density, absolutely. We don't deny buoyancy and density. Bowling ball is heavier than a feather. It falls faster. Okay, it falls heavier. It lands on your foot. It hurts. And that's because of density, right? If you look at the, if you look on the periodic table, every element that's more dense than the other one has a stronger positive charge to it. And the more the, the more the charge, the more it, it, it goes down towards the earth. And that, that's it. Buoyancy and density. We're not denying it. MIT came out with a thing called the silent drone. They got a drone. It looks like a, a like a skid, like a big pallet, and it flies. No moving parts, no sound. All they do is change the uh, electrostatic charge of it, and it could fly around through the air silently. Okay, that's not defying gravity. That's a, defying the electrostatic, provably scientifically uh, provable force. We have 15 minutes from here. I'm I'm really interested in in I'm pr- pretty much interested in everything. That's why I got into radio, lie. right? Why why what would be the payoff? I can understand some of the bigger lies. I can I can understand you you might say they're not bigger lies, but I can understand lies about climate change and climate crises. Yeah. I can understand lies about pandemics because they want to transform the way we live and make life into a virtual prison. Why lie about this? If it was flat, why not say it's flat? Because the the lie is to keep your mind in a prison. The heliocentric model is like the, is I call it the matrix. It's a prison for your mind. So think about this. We live in this giant pond, a giant pond surrounded by Antarctica. And what's beyond Antarctica? Maybe there's other lands, more lands, extra territory. Mm, if somebody came from the extra territory from the outer space, they might be considered an extraterrestrial from outer space. Scientifically possible. We don't know what's beyond the shoreline of Antarctica. We want the right to go explore out there. We don't know what's above as high as we can get, which is about 120,000 feet. We don't know. And we have the liars at NASA, the proven liars at NASA, that we can, we can, you know, once you understand that they're lying, then you have to discount everything they do. NASA admits they don't have any photos of Earth. 
They just have images. They're made in Photoshop, a whole thing. So why the lie? If they can convince you that you're not divine, that you're not at the center of creation, that you're flying through random space, you're insignificant, you could be taken out by an asteroid, you you know, we're, we're one of trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of other worlds, um, you give up your God-given divinity, you give up your power, and uh, that's what the thing that the elite don't want. They don't want us knowing that we are at the center of creation. They don't want us knowing that nobody has control over us. They don't want us knowing that we we um, are divine, that our thoughts create our create our reality. They don't want us knowing that there is no shortage of resources. There's no shortage of water. There's no overpopulation. They want us living in fear, fear of everything. That's how they can control us. They control us with the news, Richie. News, north, east, west, south. They steer our mind with the news and they put headlines on us, right? The worry lines in our forehead. They're literally controlling our minds through fear. They don't want us um, knowing who we are. They don't want us knowing their power. They don't want us challenging them because the truth is, Richie, if everyone in the world heard this podcast today and they checked out flatearthdave.com, they took the crash course for free in the middle, downloaded the app, whatever, um, then they would say, you know what? Screw the government. And then guess what? All the governments would be, would be gone because the only power the government has is in our imagination. They're hiding technology. They're hiding free energy from us. They're hiding everything that would make us free. They're hiding the ability for us to explore beyond the fence that they put around us. They took the edge of Antarctica and they squished it down into an imaginary continent at the bottom of the ball. And they told us, hey, Truman, there's nothing else to discover. We've discovered everything when the truth is the world is inf could be infinitely larger than we know here. If it, people that are waiting for disclosure, disclosure is here. It's on Earth in the extra territory. I believe that there's extra territory out there. I can't prove it, but we want to go prove it. We want the ability to go prove it. But even if there's not, we're in the center of creation. I've we're got, not a random accident. I've got a couple of points on this. Bruce says, no. this is something I was going to put to you myself towards the end. And um, Bruce says, look, listening to Dave, everything is a lie or a scam except his own evidence. Now, do, do you check yourself r regularly for that? You sound like a bright guy. I mean, you're a comic, you're, you're a successful businessman, you're very <laughs> articulate. Do you check your own bias? I mean, confirmation yeah. bias is a real thing. Are you excluding that from your field of vision, which doesn't yeah. suit your narrative? And Bruce. resorting sometimes... I mean, he does say, Bruce, he says, look, I understand why Professor Dave got rude to Flat Earth Dave. He was exasperated because everything he said, you just came back with, it's a lawyer, a scam. I mean, do you keep an eye on that, Dave? Well, absolutely. And and again, calling Dunning-Kruger and calling confirm confirmation bias, that's absolutely not true at all. I am the most, you know, I look into everything. If I see something that absolutely proves flat earth, I question the heck out of it. I'm like, wait a minute, that's, you know, let me check that out. Wait a minute. What's going on here? And there's lots of false evidence, you know, and we don't bring that forward. You know, again, anything beyond Antarctica is speculation, but we don't need to go beyond Antarctica to test that the Earth is not moving. We're not spinning and whirling and twirling at speeds that are unimaginable. We are stationary. You know, all of the stars in the sky, we're in this beehive universe, right? We're spinning around, going all around, but all of the stars will reset. I challenge everybody, go out tonight, take a picture of the stars from a specific spot in your yard, and then put a note in your calendar do the same thing next year or in 10 years, okay? Every single star will be in the same place. But we're traveling four and a half billion miles a year, you know, never returning to where we were before. All of the other stars are moving in all of their different positions and none of the stars ever change. Richie, let me come back. together. Let me come back okay. on that because I've got to pick you up on something. Yes. You, you mentioned the Earth spinning again. Now, Bruce said that your answer to 
a scientific point is often it's a conspiracy theory or it's it's fake news. I pointed out to you earlier on, and I looked into this, and it's my belief that this was genuine. The globe busters took a gyroscope to try and show that the Earth wasn't rotating. And it did the opposite. It showed that it was moving 15 degrees per hour. And your response to that was to give me some, you know, conspiracy... Look, I hate to do this because I, I I do a lot of conspiracy research. I'm, I'm in tra- I agree with everything you said about the elites and about what they have planned for us, every word of it. But in that instance, I say the gyroscope test had failed and made them look embarrassed. And you came back with they were stitched up. That's not so scientific, that, Dave. No, no. That, see, that that's where you're you're incorrect. You're you're just you're not you're uninformed, and we were all uninformed at a time. So there there's other experiments like the Michelson and Morley experiment. All of these experiments, Einstein himself said that there's no optical experiment that you can do that can prove if we're spinning or or the or, or the ether is spinning around us. That there's no way to prove if the Earth is spinning or the Sun is moving around us. Okay, so we did the experiment. We're like, okay. We don't know. We 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 noticed a rotation of 15 degrees per hour for most of the day, right? So we did an experiment at altitude, which would prove one or the other, and it worked. It, you know, you put those two together, it absolutely proved it. But most people just short circuit. They're like, well, you know, the movie said it was that way, and therefore it has to be that way. It's not. We actually scientifically prove it. That is the scientific method. But people don't like using it because it takes time and effort. Richie, belief is the enemy of knowing. You said at the beginning of the show, I live in Connecticut. Do you know that I live in Connecticut or do you believe it? Right? I've read, I've, you know? I've, I've read it on, on some of your bios, and, and so does that but you make probably it don't. True? No, of course that's not. A, that's a, no, but it's a jab, Hang on, hang on. But that's relatively harmless, Dave. Give me a break. I mean, no, no, if I'm, I'm wrong, is, I'm it's is, relatively you know, harmless, it, right? It, that's a bit, it's a bit silly now for a, for a bloke no, with your what brain. I'm saying, it was just an example. I'm saying, Belief is the enemy of knowing. You have to go out and prove all things. You need to prove all things. Don't just believe it. You know, hey, it's coming from a credible guy. I want, you know, yeah, I do live in, in Connecticut. Why would I lie about that? But if something more important, you know, like, hey, the guys at NASA are telling us all this stuff. Well, I caught NASA lying a hundred times. Go watch yeah. my videos on my YouTube channel, D-I-T-R-H, the NASA videos. You'll know that they're lying. They lie once. I'll tell you it's something. Over. I'll tell you where we have some common ground. Look, I'm, I'm not conv- I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm a man of my word. I'm going to find a scientist who isn't as rude as the Dave guy. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll handpick the gentle man or gentle woman, even, not to be misogynistic. Yep. And, and as early as we can in the new year, I'll try and set it up with you because there are, I mean, you've got a scattergun approach. You're like a machine gun there barking out stuff at me. And uh, I'm not criticizing you for doing that. But this is not my field. So I'm not the best guy in the world. To, but I also don't want to have a situation where you've got somebody being rude and ad hominem attacks as you were subjected to previously. So I wouldn't allow that, not on this particular program. Yeah. So I'll do that. I'll set it up and we'll have a proper old debate about it. I'm not convinced. Look, I'm not glued to my positions on anything. I am not glued. Everything I've seen in the last 10, 20 years, I'm very open-minded to the simulation theory, which has been around 50 or 60 years, that this is, you know, some sort of a a computer construct. But that's, again, for another day. Tell you where we do have ground. Uh, This is going to sound silly if we're living in a simulation. But tell you where we do have common ground. Um, I think the moon landing story is suspect, to say the least. Oh, please. (laughs) Yeah, to say the least. On on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon and Zodiac Clock app, click moon missions and and you'll see. I mean, it's all there. It's stuff that, you know, Google will not serve you, but it's all there. And uh, and it just takes time. You can believe without doing any research. But if you want to know the truth, you need to research. You need to use discernment. You need to use the scientific method. You need to, to understand 
that men can lie. Many men can lie, but yeah. there's not as many as you think lying about them. Why do you think they lied back in 69? Was it just to beat the Russians to the moon or was it no, but, for, for, for deeper reasons as you've been explaining yourself in the last hour? It's basically it's all about control. No, nobody yeah. died in the Cold War because I don't believe that there is this division between countries. They're all working together with a higher hand that we don't even know. So we have the puppets that lead all of our countries, but they're all being controlled by people that are probably living somewhere outside of the shoreline of Antarctica. I don't know. Um, but there is, you know, how how is it that all the countries in the world agree to ignore all the resources in Antarctica and agree that everyone needs to get the experimental lethal injection? How does that happen? How does that? How do they agree on those Lock two step, things? Yeah. That alone should make you look, Richie. It's tyranny. If we if we leave flat Earth for the last couple of minutes that we have, and and just briefly touch on what's going on around the world at the moment with mooted climate lockdowns, mooted social credit systems, where everything you do will be measured. Your your carbon output yeah. will be. It's. It's beyond scary, isn't it? And I suppose the scariest thing is that most of the people we, you know, spend our time with, most of the people, I mean, you spoke, you, you gave a very interesting interview to, I'm not sure if it was NBC, it was CNN, I think, back in 2017, 2018. You gave a really good interview and you talked very candidly about exploring Flat Earth and the theories and you said that, you, you know, you did lose some friends over it because they weren't tolerant. They weren't prepared to accept that you had a different opinion. And my God, are we seeing that now with the Great Reset agenda, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the truth divides. The truth doesn't bring you together. The truth divides. And how bad, I mean, I, I, I don't know how, how how quickly, how rapidly this is, is happening. People think that by 2030, if the bricks are not applied to this, Dave, that life is going to be very, very strange and very uncomfortable if we don't prevent... Is 2030 a major year? Do you see it that way? This is a big year in this plan that they have. I think this year is a very big year. So here, here's the thing. You look at the Flat Earth community, right? On my app, there's over 84,000 people that are on what we call the Friend Finder. So you can actually reach out and contact people near you, like-minded people. All of those dots, you know, 99.9% .9 of them are un, uh, unjabbed. And, and they're awake, aware people. They've all unplugged from the system. They no longer feed the beast, right? So why does Flat Earth matter? Because if everyone woke up to Flat Earth tonight, all of this is over. All of the jabs are over. All of the control of the government is over. All of the hidden technology, right? If you had a device that could power your house and power your car and heat your house and air condition your house and it would last your entire life and it doesn't need to be refueled, wouldn't that be nice, Okay. Well, I believe that technology exists. I believe that all of this money that, that they extract from us, you know, through extortion, they use that for these black projects for their own benefit. We don't see anything. We don't get any of that. They keep us sick and stupid and programmed with, uh, you know, stupid stuff on television and they have us distracted and they also have us protecting the lie, the prison. Talk about Stockholm syndrome. Most of the people that fight the flat earth don't even know their own model. They don't know that they're spinning a thousand miles an hour at the equator. They don't know that they're orbiting 66,600 miles an hour. Funny number. They don't know that they're chasing the sun at over a half a million miles per hour. They don't know that they're four and a half billion miles from where they were a year ago, but none of the stars changed. They don't know any of that, but they'll defend it to the end because that's what they were brainwashed with from before they could even talk. Yeah, again, but there, hang on, hang on. There's a lot of there's a lot of unbrainwashed people listening to this program, and they're open minded and they've been listening to you, people with telescopes, and they see it 
looked entirely differently and they're not seeing it entirely differently because they're brainwashed or they're stupid. It's because well, they're clever and they have deduced something different than you've deduced. We've got to be you know, fair about that. Not everybody so that, is brainwashed. Let me, let me, very quickly, okay. go on. So, Final so, word. Yeah. So when you look at a light in the sky through a telescope, you're seeing a light in the sky. You can believe it's a thousand miles away or 93 million miles away, but you have no way of determining that unless you know the distance or size. You can't determine that. So, you know, the years ago, they thought the sun was three million miles away. Now they thought it was 93 million miles away. They thought Polaris was 433 million miles away. Now they want to make it 333 million miles away. They're literally, they're guessing. This is all nonsense. So when you look at a light in the sky, you don't know what it is. On, on my interview, I show like, oh, look at this sun. It looks beautiful. It's a beautiful ball sun. And then as it gets closer to you, you realize it's the front of a train and it's set up. The lights are in a big square. But for some reason, it looks like a sphere from a distance. Again, optics, right? When, once you see this stuff, once these tricks are shown to you, then you can never unsee it. Nobody becomes a flat earther and goes back. Nobody, L listen, period. FlatEarthDave.com. First of all, thanks for coming on and sharing your time with us. I appreciate that. Thanks to Martin in Edinburgh who um, demanded that we talk about this subject. FlatEarthDave.com. Get onto the website. Merry Christmas. I'll be in touch with you very early in the new year when I can uh, nail down uh, a scientist who will be happy enough to come on and have a friendly chat about these issues. I've enjoyed your company, Dave. Cheers, pal. Very good, Richie. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You're very welcome. Flat Earth Dave in Connecticut. Uh, uh, Dave, a businessman. He was a comedian. He was asked to look into... He did a conspiracy comedy show, uh, which would have been... Uh, I think that would have been worth a, a watch, I think. And while he was doing that, his fans uh, asked him to look into Flat Earth. He thought it was nonsense. He looked into it. Now he's uh, convinced that the Earth is indeed flat. He's been explaining why to us on the programme today. Thanks to him for coming on. That is pretty much it for Wednesdays. Richie Allen show. Yeah, I'm just keeping an eye on the time there. Yes, I've timed it beautifully for once. <laughs> I'm useless lately with uh, stopping it a little bit too early or a little bit too late for the to make the edit a bit easier. Anyway, I'm talking technical jargon now. It doesn't really matter. Uh, again, thanks to Martin in, in Edinburgh uh, for that. I will be speaking tomorrow. Can I say this? I think I can say it. I think I've got it nailed down. But uh, gender identity, gender politics. Um, women declaring that bio biological sex is real and important. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow with a woman who was uh, due to stand to be uh, an electoral candidate for the Liberal Democrats. And she was stood down as a candidate. I think you probably know who I'm talking about. And the reason she was stood down is because of her belief that biological sex matters and that men cannot be uh, women. Right, and a really interesting woman called Natalie will be on the programme with me tomorrow. And after we've chatted with Natalie tomorrow, I will be opening, opening the telephone line lines and I'll be taking your call. So keep that in mind, by the way. Tomorrow, after we speak with Natalie about why biological sex matters and should always matter, we'll be chatting with uh, you. I'll be chatting with you via Skype and via phone. I will have Raj post the contact details on the website and on the Facebook page and I'll do it on the Twitter. So keep it in mind. I'll be looking to a chat with you tomorrow. Thanks again to Flat Earth Dave. Closing out with this with my tongue firmly stuck into my cheek. Shirley Bassey. As we were talking about the moon, it's, it's the handiest one I could, I could grab, you know. <laughs> Look after yourselves in tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye. And flatearthdave.com for more on Dave.